You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Welcome to Dental Talk. I'm Dr. Phil Klein. Today we'll be discussing the latest updates from the CDC related to masks and face shields in the clinical setting. We'll also be addressing the issue of low-quality face masks that infiltrated the U.S. market during the COVID-19 pandemic. How do we know for sure that the masks we're wearing in our practice actually provide us with the protection we need? To answer these questions and more, we asked Mary Gavoni to join us on this podcast. Mary is an internationally recognized speaker, author, and consultant. She's been working with dental teams for more than four decades now on clinical efficiency, infection prevention, ergonomics, team communication, and so many other things. She has a master's in business administration and is an RDH and CDA. Before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Cranberry. Since 1988, they have specialized in the development, manufacturing, and distribution of protective infection control solutions like gloves and masks. For those of you who don't know Cranberry, it's a company that's all about superior quality. They strive to develop products with the highest protection, comfort, and strength. So thank you, Cranberry, for sponsoring this podcast. So Mary, thanks for waiting on the sideline while we did that introduction, and it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Phil. Thank you. So it's really been a whirlwind, if I can use that word, since the pandemic emerged in March of 2020. Tell us how you've handled this incredible responsibility of educating the dental industry. I mean, you're just so amazingly busy. How's that going? Oh, well, um, sometimes it goes very smoothly, sometimes not, just because we're um, overwhelmed by information that's changing so frequently as we learn more about the virus. And now we're learning more about the variants and the vaccines. So it's been pretty crazy. I think the the term whirlwind is probably not as powerful. I might say a cyclone or a tornado to describe what we've all been in for the last year plus. So, and I think we're still gonna be in it for, for a while as we, we see so many cases of COVID surging again. I had a KOL on a podcast last week and he said that Viva Learning has been so unbelievably helpful to him, his colleagues, other dentists and dentists that he teaches during the period where we were, especially when we were locked down, because there was so much uncertainty, there was so much fear. And for the dental community, the professional community to go to Viva Learning and get the information quickly, the confidence that they that was instilled in, in, through these educational programs and the feeling that they were not alone, um, getting the information distilled down as well as you, you've done for us from the CDC, it was just a, an amazing help to them. And they were very oh, appreciative. Wonderful. So you were a big part of that. So I want to thank you for that as well. Wonderful. And, and kudos to you all for your leadership in that role, bringing that information to everyone. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we, we've, we enjoyed the challenge and it worked out very well. So this is an interesting topic today. We're talking about face masks and, you know, that's been talked about ad, ad nauseum for sure. But one of the interesting things is, is that there has been an issue of low quality face masks circulating in the U.S., um, obviously to uh, fulfill the demand for them, during, especially during the height of the pandemic. And when that happens, of course, with any product, you get these companies that are not legitimate and they shouldn't be making these masks in the first place but they look like they're great, but they're really low quality. So as an expert in this, let me begin the podcast by asking you, how do we differentiate between 
the ones that actually, the masks that actually protect us and the ones that aren't so good at that are floating around out there? Oh, that is such a great question. And so many practices have been challenged by trying to get any kind of face masks in the beginning of the pandemic. And it's not quite as challenging now, but um, the market, as you said, has been flooded with less than optimal types of, of masks for use in, in a healthcare setting. So how do you recognize one that's not so um, not such good quality, may not provide the best protection? Well, the first criteria that I would try to um, follow is something that is made in the U.S. or that is manufactured for a U.S.-based manufacturer. So that you at least know that the standards for manufacturing are being followed. But if you don't know and, and you can't get them and you take whatever your dental supplier can get you, then what you need to do is look at, first of all, does this face mask even have a nose piece at the top where you can help it to fit to your face a little more? Some of the, the lesser quality ones do not have a nose piece. Feel the inner material, the part of the face mask that goes against your face. And if it's really scratchy, um, rough material, that shows you low quality because that can cause lots of issues for the wearer. Um, itchiness and sometimes even rashes. Some people get um, have some reactions to some chemicals that may be used in making those, those masks. And then the other thing you need to do, and, and you'd have to actually cut a mask open because you wouldn't necessarily know, um, but a mask should be three layers. So there's the outer layer, the inner layer that goes against your face, and then the inner lining of that mask, which is really sort of the filter. If that is just paper, it's not a material that you can look at and sort of see fibers in that it looks like a kind of a spun sort of material, like the outside or the inside of the face mask, then it's not a good quality one. It It's a cheap one. Um, so you really kind of have to do your due diligence and look at that. The other thing you can do, and one of the things that's very important about face masks is fluid resistance. So you can take a face mask and pour water on the inside of the face mask, and if it seeps right through it, there again is a is a clue that this is not a good quality face mask. When the other say- thing they need to look for is making sure that that face mask is labeled with an ASTM rating, which stands for American Society for Testing Materials, so that it meets the quality standards that they need. So when you talk about the fluid test, you're talking about pouring liquid water on the surface that goes against your skin and to see and and how does a good mask behave when that's done well a good mask will not let that that liquid go through uh and and filter right through the mask so that tells you that there's a good fluid barrier because not only do we want a fluid barrier on the outside to protect from spatter or splatter but you want to protect the patients from any um, fluid or or uh, moisture saliva that might be expelled by the wearer, by the dentist, the hygienist, or the assistant while they're working. Hmm. So the best way 
as I've been told to test it, is put, pour the fluid on the inside and see if it seeps through because then you're testing two barriers at the same time. You're testing to see if the outside barrier is working because if nothing seeps through, then the, there's a fluid barrier on the outside layer and hopefully that filter and the inner layer is working, but you also want the fluid barrier protection from the inside as well. Now, does that fluid test work for all high quality ASTM rated uh, level masks? Is It, it for- most certainly should because if a manufacturer of a face mask puts that label on their product, they have had to prove, um, just like products are and devices are um, have to prove their effectiveness to the Food and Drug Administration, in order to have that quality standard, that manufacturer has had to have their face masks tested in, in very vigorous ways. They not only test for the fluid barrier, they test for the particle size filtration, um, they test for flammability and several other things so that they go through some pretty rigorous testing. So a reputable manufacturer like Cranberry is going to have gone through that because they have that designation on their masks. Mm -hmm. So all ASTM level rated masks, regardless of the level, they should pass that water test. Absolutely. They should pass that fluid test. Now, um, if it's a level one, the fluid resistance may not be as high. Um, So there might be some slight leakage, but we don't even consider anymore the use of a level one mask in dentistry that we're simply going with level three because of the risks of COVID um, and needing the extra um, filtration protection. And and they're also rated over time. How long are they going to protect you um, given the amount of time you might wear them and so forth. So I I wouldn't recommend even looking at anything other than a level three mask at this point. Right. Yeah, and that's, that's essentially what the CDC talks about. Right. And that's a good segue into the, my next question. What are CDC's current recommendations for wearing masks in the dental workplace during COVID-19? And also if you could address after you know we reach the point where we think we've reached herd immunity because you know you're the expert on this but my feeling is life before pandemic is different than life after pandemic for a dental practitioner and i think we're going to probably be staying with a lot of these protocols going forward in perpetuity even this level three recommendation you just made oh i totally agree with you um the the good news for us in dentistry is that for really the first time we've had very good communication between OSHA and the CDC on infection control protocols. And they are essentially in full agreement on protection from aerosol when we're doing dental procedures. So that's the big differentiation right now is, are we doing an aerosol generating procedure or are we doing a non-aerosol generating procedure? Because the CDC and OSHA both say that if we're doing a non-aerosol generating procedure, wearing a surgical mask, a level three surgical mask with a face shield to protect from spatter or splatter is 
the optimal respiratory protection for us right now. And then if we're doing aerosol generating procedures, using a handpiece, using an air polisher, using an ultrasonic scaler, or using an air water syringe, then that goes above a face mask that goes to a respirator. And both CDC and OSHA say an N95 respirator or a higher level of protection. Whether or not OSHA or CDC change their guidance after the pandemic is over, we reach that herd immunity, as you mentioned, we don't really know what will happen, but it looks like because OSHA is actually right now promulgating an airborne infectious diseases standard, which will be in addition to our bloodborne pathogen standard, most likely, as you said, Phil, that what we used to do is going to be in the past. It's kind of like we didn't used to wear gloves, we didn't used to wear face masks, then that's become the norm. My guess is that in the future, wearing an N95 respirator is going to become the norm for aerosol generating procedures, but for all other procedures, we're going to wear a level three surgical mask. Yeah, and that makes total sense. And I think once that's established, there'll be more players manufacturing N95 masks or companies like Cranberry will make more of them. They'll be more prevalent throughout the entire dental profession. It's not gonna be something that's just so difficult to get as it was during the pandemic. Right, and, and we're already seeing that happen. In fact, um, last week, the Food and Drug Administration issued some um, updated guidance about reusing N95 respirators because they had been in such short supply the emergency use authorization allowed them to be reused. And it's looking like those emergency use authorizations may be going away in the near future as long as we can see a sustainable supply. So that's going to mean then that dental practices will wear an N95 respirator and same thing with a level three face mask, the way they are intended to be used as a disposable item. So we wear them for one patient and we don't reuse them. So the, the FDA is being very cautious, making sure that, that they know where the supplies are and the availability of those supplies. But once they are available, then those items will revert back to disposables and we're not gonna be reusing. Yeah, so level one and level two ASTM masks will probably you won't even see them in the distributor's catalog, right? Well, you might. Um, for the lab, and actually, maybe lab. I said before that I wouldn't even use them, but actually they could be worn um, by perhaps the, the administrative team members who need to be wearing a, a face covering in the office, at least for now. Um, they could perhaps be used in the dental lab if mm -hmm. we're trying to control dust or exposure to dust if working with different products, trimming models or, or pouring models, those types of things, um, but certainly not in the clinical areas, not, not in the treatment rooms. Yeah, exactly. So what are some common problems associated with masks that are not from reputable dental companies? What, what do we see in these masks that would cause potential uh, problems for the clinician? The biggest issue that I see and I hear from, from clinicians all the time is that they either don't fit well, 
around the nose. They don't have um, the best kind of a, a nose piece, or maybe they don't even have one as we talked about earlier, but it's really about the material that's used. They find that the inner part of the mask that goes against the skin causes irritation. They get rashes, they get um, itching and scratching, and a lot of people um, before COVID would just simply not wear a mask when they should have. They would just wear a face shield um, and get really no filtration because they were having problems with the masks. Those are the things that are most associated. Some of them also because they don't fit well, they have such huge gaps on the sides um, where you put them around the, the ears with the ear loop. And a common thing that people do with the lower quality masks, if they don't fit well, they cross the ear loop in front of their ear to try to pull it closer in and close the gap. And that is not an appropriate thing to do. So again, it's buyer beware. Um, and, and the challenge I think for a lot of doctors especially is that if they do find a supply of masks, now I think it's getting better, but, but at some point people are challenged to find them, they have to commit to buying such a big quantity. And in some cases they can't get their money back for the, the masks if they find that they're not good quality. So they're kind of stuck with them and then they decide to use them. What I would probably do if they find out the quality is so bad it's causing skin issues and they don't fit well is perhaps donate them to a group that could use them that's not like in healthcare. That would make sense. What are considered the top three important features in face masks? Well, the first would be, does it have an ASTM rating? That would be absolute number one, because that's your gold standard of, of quality for that mask. Then the next would be the fluid barrier, making sure that if you read the information in the package insert or on the box or the manufacturer's website about that fluid barrier. And then the other would be the particle filtration size. So the, the standard should be that they filter out particles of at least three microns and that they, again, read the information on the package insert for making sure that, that those are the criteria that are, are met. We are almost out of time, but I wanted to ask you this one question about face shields. Mm -hmm. You know, not every dental office uses them. Are they truly a step further for protection? That is a great question. The CDC guidance and the guidance we have from OSHA right now says that if we're doing aerosol generating procedures, we need to be wearing an N95 respirator with a full face shield or goggles. So that's not the same as wearing safety glasses. So they do provide an extra layer. Um, one of the most important things that they have done for us during the pandemic has been that they help to prevent contamination on those N95 respirators or the face masks that have been reused because of short supplies. But that's where OSHA is heading right now in terms of eye protection in dentistry. They are not respiratory protection. They're only eye protection. But that's what OSHA wants to see. And I believe that that's what we're going to see going forward. Now, the interesting thing that's been happening is as some of the CDC guidelines have been loosened, if you will, in social settings, like allowing travel 
um, for vaccinated individuals and reducing social distancing in schools. Many dental practices believe that the CDC has loosened the guidelines for practicing dentistry and they have not. So the latest version of CDC guidance we have for dental settings is from December and we are not supposed to, even if we're vaccinated, we don't drop our guard at this point because of the variants, because so many things that we don't know yet. And we still need to be screening patients, screening employees and taking temperatures and wearing face shields with our masks, wearing face shields with our respirators. So the face shields from OSHA standpoint is obviously to protect the employee, right? With mostly their eyes. Is that correct? Yes, that is exactly right. Now, okay. they can provide some protection from the patient because if they are a chin length face shield, then if someone, heaven forbid, was an asymptomatic COVID carrier, it's unlikely that they could be exposing a patient because they've got sort of a, a double layer of protection. They've got the respiratory protection from the respirator or the mask, and then they have spatter, splatter protection um, with the face shield. And I know this won't apply soon because we're moving away from the heart of the pandemic. Wearing a second inexpensive mask on top of an N95, knowing that you're going to be reusing that N95 because of the lack of supply, would that make sense at least during the period when we're reusing N95s? Well, it has. And, and it's been recommended by a number of public health officials to, to do that. The CDC has discussed it, although they haven't put that specifically in their, in their guidelines. Um, but it does help with the contamination. Now, what, once those emergency use authorizations are lifted, then that will no longer be acceptable that you put a level one or a level two, an inexpensive mask over the level three or the respirator to protect it so you can reuse it. That will no longer be an acceptable protocol. Things are changing. That's why we need Mary Gavoni to keep coming on Viva Learning and other venues to teach us because it is so fluid, the whole CDC environment. I mean, they're having meetings every day trying to figure out when they're gonna update their guidelines. They have to aggregate the information from many different sources. You know, it started off as completely unknown, unknown territory. There was so much uncertainty. Do you remember the first webinar you gave a year ago? Oh, Just think about that. People absolutely. Were, yeah, we had 3,000 people on, and everybody was like sitting at the edge of their seat saying, you know, what do we do here? We were all like the deer in the headlights. We sure were. It was a frightening time, but uh, looks like things are going to get better. Thanks again, Mary, and hope to see you soon. Thank you. Take care, everyone.